Hey everybody, it's Randy and I want to welcome you to The Vine to Zero. Uh, from time to time, before we jump into our interview, I'd like to take a few minutes and, and talk about Safety Management Group and, and recognize some of the efforts of our team members. So today I want to send a quick shout out to our recruiting team. Uh, these folks work tirelessly day in and day out trying to find the best talent for us and for our clients. Uh, if you didn't know, uh, we also provide direct placement support for clients. So if you're in the market and looking for an opportunity to either join our team or you're yeah, maybe a new professional out there and you're looking for a new opportunity to, to jump on board with another company, um, feel free to reach out to any of our uh, recruiting uh, team members and, and they should be able to help you out. So I want to send a quick thank you to Nate Hazelwood. Nate is our recruiting manager. Uh, Jennifer Jacoby. Uh, Jennifer handles all of our internal uh, recruiting efforts. And then Her Erica Hanazuski. Erica is our direct placement uh, recruiter and works with all of our clients on the external basis to help them uh, fill gaps or fill positions that they have. And Samantha Williams. Samantha is our sourcing and onboarding specialist here at Safety Management Group. So a big shout out to that group. Uh, can't thank you enough for your efforts and, and helping us uh, secure the best talent out there in the industry. So uh, special thanks to all you guys for your work. Okay, well, let's jump right in with our interview today. Uh, today, my guest is Neil Stennett. Uh, Neil is the Director of Environmental Health and Safety for one of the largest healthcare providers in the country. Uh, Neil holds a Bachelor of Science in Environmental Science and Public Health from Indiana University, and he also holds a Master's of Science in Occupational Safety Management from Indiana State. With more than 12 years of experience in healthcare safety, Neil directs programs involving occupational safety, construction safety, fire and life safety, hazardous materials and waste, ergonomics, industrial hygiene, and regulatory compliance. Neil is a member of the American Society of Healthcare Engineering and the Indiana Society of Healthcare Engineering. He's also a principal on the National Fire Protection Association Life Safety Code Healthcare Occupancies Committee and the NFPA 5000 Building Construction and Safety Code. My conversation with Neil hits on a variety of topics related to a safety professional's role in a healthcare setting. He explains the Joint Commission and their role in the healthcare accreditation process. And we also explore the unique aspects of performing construction work in a healthcare setting. This is episode four, which Neil titled, Stuff That Keeps Me Up At Night. I haven't slept a wink, I'm so tired, my mind is on the blink, I wonder should I get up and fix myself Neil, welcome to The Vine. No, no, no. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Well, hey... Um, Let's get started. I wanted to kick it over to you and um, let you uh, give the listeners um, a quick uh, snapshot of your background and, and what you're doing today and uh, and um, and where you've been. Sure. So I am a uh, director of environmental health and safety for a large healthcare organization in Indianapolis. I've uh, been there for 12 years. Uh, came in um, holding the clipboard, um, you know, bottom of the of the uh, ladder. Uh, over the last 12 years, I've kind of progressively worked my way uh, up into a leadership position. Um, and so uh, it's been quite a journey. Um, it's exciting uh, kind of future ahead. So Great. Well, so today is a little bit different spin, right? We're going to talk about healthcare in us in our, uh, we're going to talk about safety in a healthcare environment. And uh, uh, I've known Neil for a lot of years, uh, even before uh, before working with him uh, uh, in the industry here. But um, uh, we have a team that that supports um, supports your efforts uh, on a daily basis, and uh, we're fortunate for that. So we appreciate that opportunity. But 
Uh, let's talk a little bit about um, safety in a healthcare environment and what that means um, relative to uh, patients, visitors, staff. Um, start with that. Sure. So uh, the healthcare environment is a bit different than than, than most uh, other industries. Um, in that, uh, you know, healthcare is one of the more heavily regulated industries uh, in the United States. So um, when people think about about safety, um, generally they think of uh, things like OSHA. Um, but in a healthcare environment, there are lots of people that are interested in how you're uh, providing a safe environment for uh, patients, for, for team members, for visitors, kind of everyone in your facility. So um, the, the, the federal government um, hires accrediting organizations to come in and, and survey your facilities uh, to make sure that you're meeting all of the standards. And uh, the one that's, that's most common to people is, is called the Joint Commission. Um, and that organization has a, a laundry list of kind of safety-related requirements, right? So, um, and I think there's some like 250 to 300 um, standards that we have to meet. Now, a lot of those standards are drawn from things like OSHA or from the National Fire Protection Association. Um, but, you know, it's not just ticking the boxes off to say we comply with these things. Uh, the expectation is that um, that's, that's the low bar, right? So the expectation is that you meet those, but that you exceed them uh, whenever possible. Um, so a lot of that is, is more a risk-based approach to, to safety. So, um, you know, a lot of times there's, there's not a standard or a regulation that says you have to do this. Um, they, they say it's really up to the organization to determine risk associated with that and come up with a good plan to, to mitigate risks. Um, so we're, we're heavily involved in, in that process. Um, but it is uh, in healthcare, you know, it's kind of a city within a city. Um, we have various different professions working in that healthcare environment from, from, from nurses to maintenance workers to construction activity to, you know, just anybody you can think about that makes a hospital run. Um, so the safety professional in that realm um, is really um, a generalist um, in a sense, but they have to um, kind of uh, understand everyone's role in the organization so that they can help to, to guide a, a safe and reliably safe um, uh, culture within that, that healthcare space. Okay, one of, one of the things, um, my, first, my first exposure to, to healthcare, right, I had been in the safety industry uh, working uh, for about six years before I, you know, started working uh, with or in a hospital, and I was on a construction project, and one of the, probably the most eye-opening thing for me um, was when I was working with uh, Hutch mm -hmm. and he said, um, uh, you know, think about, uh, what's, you know, what's probably the worst thing that could happen, uh, relative to, uh, working in a hospital what's the worst risk, worst, worst exposure. Uh, and it was, he was relating that to fire, fire hazard. Right. Mm -hmm. And then he said, Hey, think about that. And, and if we do have a fire, moving patients, sick mm -hmm. patients. But can you talk a little bit about that? And yeah, sure. So, you know, it, it's kind of, I, I relate it to anybody that's seen Hotel Transylvania. There's a character in that movie called Frankenstein. He terrified a fire. So, you know, 
Uh, he runs away every time there's even mention of a fire. It, it kind of feels like that in healthcare. Like all the regulations are very heavily fire related, right? So um, if you think of it through the context of patients that may be in critical uh, care units or uh, in an operating room opened up, um, mm-hmm. you know, if you had a fire situation in a healthcare environment, um, moving those patients to a safe location would be um, difficult at best. So, um, you know, there are uh, numerous regulations around how hospitals are built to try and contain fire and smoke to the smallest space possible so that you don't have to go to that extreme step of moving patients. Um, and it's not like, you know, elementary school where everybody lines up and goes outside and stands and waits on the fire department within a hospital. You know, you have to design these buildings so you can just move horizontally to a to a safe spot and not have to go up or down stairs or outside the building. So um, it's a very, um, you know, a lot of people don't even think about that, right? If there were a, a fire or some kind of a chemical spill or whatever, how do you safely move patients uh, and staff in a hospital? Um, so there's a lot of thought behind the scenes around how to do that now. There's some argument around, um, are the standards too strict, right? When you look at historically how many fires have actually been in a hospital. Um, so the industry is really leaning more towards evidence-based standards, but we're, you know, that's a journey really, uh, to get to an evidence-based standard approach. Um, and, and so it's, it's a, it's a balance of, of providing a safe environment for people to work in and then providing the mechanisms for people to, um, to move should they have an emergency situation. Sure. So what kinds of things do you put in place, um, you know, to help, uh, control the exposure, I guess? Sure. So we have uh, a, a few different approaches. One is education. Um, you know, fire drills are, are common in healthcare. Um, we do those ad nauseum. Um, so staff have a tendency to um, kind of, uh, you know, n- not really take those as seriously as you might hope just because we have to do them so frequently. So I don't know that that's the most effective uh, approach. Um, but we have ongoing education, um, e-learning modules. We have uh, roaming education that we do when we're out in the facilities. Um, we have uh, safety fairs, and uh, we do activities during Fire Safety Week to educate people. Um, so there's a big education component to that to understand that in this very rare situation where you have to uh, deal with a fire or some emergency, that they can at least uh, know how to, to react to that and not you know, lose their mind. Um, but we also uh, put programs in place um, to maintain our facilities so that um, in the event that there is a situation that all of the things that we're required to have in a hospital to protect our, our uh, team members and patients and uh, visitors, um, that they are actually performing the way that they're supposed to. So that's, that's a huge uh, you know, undertaking um, in healthcare is to maintain your, your buildings. Yeah. So um, what's, a, what's a typical day for you? Oh, uh, well, I mean, <laughs> right now, you know, a lot of uh, my uh, day is, is meetings, but, um, uh, you know, it's, it's really, I, I, I enjoy my, the complexity of my work and I work with very um, intelligent people. So um, it makes my, my, my work enjoyable and I never know from day to day what I'm going to get into. So, um, you know, I may be in a meeting uh, around preparing for a, a joint commission survey or I may be in a meeting uh, around some construction project that's taking place and how do we do that safely um, so that we don't impact patient care. 
um, and, you know, or I may be with, uh, with a IOSHA inspector or, uh, the fire department doing walkthroughs. So it really, um, you know, the, the variety of activities that, that I get involved in is, is fun because it's complex and it's, it's ever changing. Yeah. So, uh, you mentioned a few, a few different agencies there. So you, you talked about IOSHA, um, the joint commission, uh, the fire department, um, you know, a, typical, you know, industry or construction safety professional just working out on a project or working in a manufacturing plant, uh, they, you know, we have to worry about, you know, IOSHA or OSHA. Mm-hmm. Um, you have, a, you know, other, other uh, agencies that, are, that you have to, to be concerned with. But um, what about the Joint Commission? Can you talk about uh, a typical survey, what that entails? Um, and um just in general how you know are they easy to work with is it a is it a group you know a lot of people uh on the safety side uh they're concerned if osha comes to the site or Mm -hmm. iosha right but it's a partnership right i mean you know it's not you know they're coming out to to see how you're doing and and uh, looking at compliance things like that but there's a an a a fear that really isn't warranted in my opinion of doing this for all these years but um What about um, Joint Commission? So Joint Commission uh, or any other kind of accrediting organization, they're there to survey your facilities on behalf of uh, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. So that's the federal uh, uh, group in the federal government that disperses um, Medicare and Medicaid funding to hospitals. So when the Joint Commission or another accrediting organization comes out, they're they're surveying your facilities, your practices, your your programs uh, to make sure that you're in compliance with the requirements of the federal government. Um, and, and it's 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 really nerve wracking because it happens once every three years. It's unannounced. Um, you don't know about it until the the Monday morning when they show up <laughs> at your door and say we're here. And then you have to uh, put everything that you've been planning for in place to support that because it's not, it's not like, um, you know, an OSHA inspection where you may have a person show up from OSHA to, to walk through your facility or a small team. Um, this is a large group of people um, that takes a coordinated effort to get them um, supported to go out and s- survey your facilities. Um, in the safety realm, um, uh, and I break it out, there's, there's patient safety and then there's kind of all other safety. But um, so in the all other safety category, you have um, a surveyor, um, your surveyors are dependent on how many, how big your facility is. For instance, for my organization, we're going to have um, four to five surveyors at our next um at our next survey that are solely dedicated to looking at us from a um, safety or life safety perspective. Um, and so those, those individuals, um, they dig through all of your documentation to make sure that you're, you're doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. Uh, but then they're also looking at, are you providing a safe environment for your patients, team members and, and visitors? Um, and they do that in any number of ways. They, they look at your programs, they look at how you assess risk and, and what mitigation strategies you put in place. Um, they look at your physical um, facilities. So they spend a good deal of time going out and, and looking at your facilities um, and talking to your team members um, so that they uh, walk away knowing that your team members know uh, what a safe environment looks like, how they, um, their 
work impacts that environment. Um, and, and it's really a very comprehensive uh, inspection. Um, are they collaborative? Um, I would say yes, but it's also, um, you know, when they generate their report, um, typically for a large organization, you're going to have a pretty extensive report of things. Um, when you have that many eyes looking through everything, it's a very target-rich environment regardless of how good you are. Um, so, you know, that sets in motion a, a process of trying to figure out how to address those, uh, those opportunities that they've identified. And so it's kind of a continuous uh, improvement process, um, but, uh, you know, to support that, you want to ensure that you have a, a culture that supports uh, safety, that's that's highly reliable, that's driven by quality, um, and, and so that you're you're always prepared for those types of surveys. So that survey, how how, how long is it typically? Uh, it depends on your 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 size of your facility. For my organization, it's a it's a full week, um, and there's there's um, pr- uh, I would say probably twenty surveyors if not more um so they spend a a full week um you know eight to ten hours a day uh with your teams um Mm -hmm. going out into your facilities meeting with your leadership um so it's it's very uh comprehensive to say the least yeah so um the report comes in and then is it you have act i guess action items is it a deal where you say you have 30 days or is it right. depends on your items well so um now is you have 60 days to to correct your findings so that that in itself can be very um uh, hard to accomplish there are mechanisms to extend that out if there are hardships or you need like a extension um but the expectation is that things are corrected within 60 days which is is easy if they find something that's broken and you go fix it right a Mm -hmm. physical piece of your building but when they're looking at a process that's broken or um, some program that has major flaws trying to correct that and and ensure that those corrections are sustained or behaviors are sustained is much harder to get to in 60 days So during the survey, uh, when they come in, it, are there any showstoppers? Like if I'm start my survey and sure, yeah, I mean there there definitely are. There are things that they don't have a list of X, Y, and Z is going to stop the survey, but there are things that you know, like OSHA would call immediate threat to life, or um, mm-hmm. the, you know, they have that kind of same category. So for instance, if um, you have keeping in the safety realm, if you had a, um, an exit stair that was just closed, right? You took it out of, 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 uh, of commission and, and you didn't have any mitigation strategies in place, then, you know, that's one where they may just walk out of the building and your survey's done. Um, if you had a, a fire suppression system, uh, out of service and nobody knew about it, you know, they may just say surveys done. Um, the whole team. Yep. The Not whole just team just, uh, they, they call them in and say, we're leaving. Um, and you know, it's, what it's, does that mean? I mean, <laughs> I mean, basically, uh, that, that triggers a, a, a series of events where you get much greater exposure to your uh, organization than you would ever want from, um, people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's not a good situation. I've never been through that situation, nor do mm-hmm. I want to be sure. Um, but I've heard horror stories. Yeah. And the surveyors, they're coming from all, all over around the, country. the country. Yep. Yeah. And so when they're coming in, um, 
are they getting up on ladders, looking up above ceilings? They're they're digging in, right? They're digging in, so they uh, they get a um, they get up above your ceiling. Uh, they go into construct active construction spaces. They talk mm-hmm. to contractors. They they they're not bashful about looking around. I mean, one thing that you know we we try to relate to our team members to our partners in in, uh, in construction that are that are actively going on is that you know it's no different than. Uh, the contractors coming in, there are expectations on them that they have to, you know, wear their PPE and they, you know, there's a safety culture within that, that construction project. If somebody walks into your, your site, then, uh, and they don't have PPE or they don't identify themselves, then kick them out, right? Whether they're a surveyor or whether they're another contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's giving them that power to, to really own their space. Um, but yeah, they're, they're very invasive. They're not bashful about looking around your facility. Yeah, and and do they provide, I guess, resources too? So are they coming? I mean, is it a true audit inspection, or are they saying, hey, you know, this is what we're seeing, but at the end of the day, here's our report, and here's some of the re- recommendations around that. Or are they just saying, here it is, and deal with it, and tell us what you're going to do to fix it? <laughs> right. So uh, a lot of times, it, it it's a mixture of both. If it's something that's fairly easy and mm-hmm. it's, it's been identified and it's kind of understood what the correction is, then it's just going to show up in your report and you correct it. Um, but they are more professorial sometimes in that they like to speak through best practices that they've seen around the country and try and uh, collaborate with you and help you to to try and solve for bigger issues um you know and sometimes that's very beneficial sometimes it's um you know it kind of gives you some direction on where to start but um, they do try to be more collaborative yeah um, so if i'm a, a safety professional working in a hospital um what uh, is there training out there i can go for do they offer any type of um, courses on how to get ready for an inspection or yeah, I mean there there are courses. Um, you know, safety in the the healthcare realm is is. Uh, I don't know that we. Uh, you know, and I you and I texted last night. I don't know that we have a deep bench in the healthcare safety profession. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are a lot of programs out there um, that that teach general safety and kind of OSHA safety. Um, but there's not a, a huge interest in, in healthcare safety, I guess. So it's kind of a niche group. Um, but there are, um, you know, courses or certifications that can help people get prepared. There are um, what they call boot camps around uh, kind of the Joint Commission side of things to get people um, more invested in, in kind of safety in general in a healthcare environment. Um, a lot of times what you'll see in healthcare is that people wear many hats and safety is kind of one of them. So they may be in charge of maintenance and, and uh, housekeeping, but they're also in charge of safety. So they're, they're really more of a generalist. So there are tools to kind of help them hone in on, on what safety in healthcare means. Um, and that touches on a lot of the other safety disciplines that are out there like OSHA and NFPA, et cetera. Um, and then there are certifications like the Certified uh, Healthcare Safety Professional mm-hmm. um, that's available. Um, that that kind of tailors that that CSP designation more to a healthcare environment. Um, so there there are tools out there and there are resources to help. But uh, you know, for me, I came out of college, uh, got mm-hmm. lucky, and landed a job with my organization. And I'd never, uh, I mean, I had a, a a background in safety, but I, nothing would have prepared me for healthcare safety. So it was really kind of uh, having a great mentor. Um, kind of learning on the job and uh, developing over the course of you know my career to date. So, um, but we're getting better about providing resources to people. 
Yeah, you're you're really detailed in code compliance, right? I mean, you really have to dive in and understand NFPA and life safety code and right. Yeah, it's and not it, just the it's not just the OSHA standards. Right? Yeah, I mean, mo- most codes or standards are are structured similarly. You uh-huh. know, for for safety professionals, a lot of times we'll get out our OSHA book or go mm-hmm. to the OSHA site, look through a standard, sure. um, and it gives you kind of you have to do these things. But there are a lot of gray areas within there, right? So, how do you assess um, what other, you know, codes don't tell you, um, you know, what you can do. They tell you more what you can't do um, a lot of times, um, but they're not real prescriptive. So it, it is a, a kind of an art of understanding how codes and standards are developed and implemented and, and, uh, and being able to utilize those to come to the right answer. Um, and a lot of times that answer is um, there's not an answer. So you need to assess the risk and, and determine what the appropriate approach is. Mm-hmm. Um, Sim, uh, similarly with uh, OSHA and um, their interpretations, is there something like that with the Joint Commission? Is there? Yeah, I mean OSHA has their their standards interpretations that are that are pretty useful sometimes. Um, and Joint Commission has something similar. They're mm-hmm. called a standard interpretation group. So. If you have a question and you send it into them, um, then they will publish their official response back to you. Um, but I will tell you, if you look through a lot of those things kind of in the safety realm, mm-hmm. um, probably 75% of those say um, there's nothing that tells you uh, whether you can or can't do this, so you need to do a risk assessment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, right. I don't know how beneficial that is, but that's kind of their approach. So mm-hmm. uh, really leaving it up to you to decide. Uh, you're... Um a principal on the National Fire Protection Association. What is that? What, is, what does that mean? Uh, so that that's um, <clears throat> basically the uh, the NFPA puts out various code sets, uh, like the Life Safety Code, the National mm-hmm. Electric Code, um, and so those codes are developed by um, groups of people that are either users of the code or people that are in manufacturing that are related to that code or or technical people around that code. So it's really a a kind of a crowdsourced effort to develop those codes and then run them through kind of um, public feedback and uh, various approval processes. So um, being on the Life Safety Code um, Committee for Healthcare Occupancies, um, we uh, really help to develop future editions of that code set um, to make them, you know, uh, useful for people. It, you know, every year there's there are changes, additions, modifications to code sets, um, and so that committee really kind of drives that work for the next revisions of the code, um, which is interesting to see how that the, the codes are, are developed and implemented. Um, so it's been a it's been an interesting uh, journey there. Sure. We, um, the support we provide uh, to your team and uh, to uh, the construction effort um, is primarily construction safety, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's, uh, when working in a hospital, it's different than uh, working on a construction project in, in a lot of cases, right? There's, there's things you have to do inside a hospital uh, that you don't have to do on, you know, on an exterior you know, project or uh, on a project that's not in the healthcare sector. So can you talk about some of the things uh, that are required uh, on the construction side um, when you're working in a healthcare environment? And then, um, you know, uh, and then we'll, we'll dive into maybe some of the tools and things that, that you use um, uh, to, to mitigate some of the risk. 
Sure. So, uh, you know, Safety Management Group is a great partner with us um, to try and, um, you know, ensure that construction in our hospitals is, is done safely. Um, and when you think about construction projects, a lot of people, um, we're, we're very concerned about the contractors working in our facilities, um, obviously, and Safety Management Group um, helps to kind of oversee that portion of it. Uh, but you also have to consider um, how those activities impact um, the rest of the hospital. So patients and, and uh, their, their care environment, um, nurses and, and them being able to perform to, to the level that they need to, to provide that patient care. So, um, and it, even if you look at like babies, right, how does noise affect, affect babies? It, it affects them very um, uh, negatively uh, a lot of times. So um, in a, in a healthcare environment, you know, we, we have to fix things. We have to build new new services and new uh, spaces. Um, so, really, uh, that those activities um, have to be closely monitored, carefully planned out, and um, to ensure that 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 we don't impact patient care. Um, and that there are a lot of tools around that, um, but it, it really takes everybody's buy-in to to um, you know, following everything that's laid out for that project um, to ensure that it's done successfully and timely. Sure. Um, I know, uh, you know we conduct orientation, right? And I used to teach that years ago. At, uh, um, but um, you know, one of the things I tried to relay was uh, uh, to the workers is, hey, think about it. You know, if you had a, a sick child, family member, Yep. whatever and and try to drive that message back to the work you're doing here today and and here's why these things are important and we cannot miss mm-hmm. right um so let's talk about um pre-planning a project and uh, we'll throw some terms out there maybe you can define them for us but the first one would be that i'm familiar with um is the picra okay so uh picra is a pre-construction risk assessment basically any any uh, construction or um, maintenance activity that happens in a hospital has to be planned out to ensure that, um, you know, like I said, we, we don't harm patients or, or um, uh, cause unintended consequences for, for our team members. Uh, so that pre-construction risk assessment is really kind of looking at the project from a 10,000 foot view and to say, um, how is this project going to impact um, everybody in our facility? So those are looking at things like noise and vibration, um, having emergency procedures in place. Um, it's looking at what kind of systems you may have to shut down um, to, to do the project, um, whether you're going to be using any hazardous chemicals, um, just a variety of things to get an understanding of from that assessment, then what other kind of assessments or decisions need to be made around that project. Um, and so typically, you know, a, a project team is going to um, either meet to kind of plan out uh, the project and lay out kind of what is known about that project at the beginning for larger projects. Um, on smaller projects, it may be our safety management um, teammates that go out and kind of gather that information for us. Um, and then once we have that, then we can make decisions around what other um, type of assessments need to be done. So is the PICRA, is it a required uh, document? Because I know I remember back, you know, 20 years ago when I was working uh, in the facilities there, um, we we did the ILSM assessment, right? Mm-hmm. And yep. the PICRA seems like it's come along in the last, I don't know, 
How long has it been? I, I would, I've been I, going for a while, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I, I don't. I have to think back, maybe even within the last five to seven years. Um, yeah. But yeah, so the the ILSM is a interim life safety measure, um, and those two, the PICRA and the ILSM, are are joint commission requirements. So. Um, yeah, you have to do those. Uh, if you don't, then you can, you know, find yourself in hot water with uh, the Joint Commission. Um, but it's really um, a, a fundamental element of performing work within a hospital, right? So the PICRA kind of gets you uh, the basic understanding and, and the inherent risks of what the activities you're doing are um, in immediate sense, like noise, vibration, hazardous chemicals, et cetera. Um, and within that picker, it may kick you over to this interim life safety measure assessment. And this is looking more at how is that activity really going to impact the life safety of everybody in your hospital? So are you going to you know, impact the way that they can get out of their area? Are you going to impact the protections that are in place to, to help them in the event of an emergency, um, like sprinklers and smoke detection and things like that? Um, it, it's a, it's a pretty comprehensive assessment. Um, and it's kind of an art form, right? They don't really tell you, um, you, you can't really, uh, it, every day there's something that comes up that's kind of new, right? They want to do a project in, in this way and it impacts life safety in this way. And you've never really dealt with that. So that assessment really helps you to determine, um, what the issue is and then what mitigation strategies you can put in place to compensate for those for those uh, deficiencies that you're creating by your, your project. So um, it's a living, breathing document. You may have to come back to that multiple times during an assessment because the scope of the project has changed or they've run into an issue. Um, so it, it really is an, an art form and it really, um, it takes a while to get comfortable with performing those assessments. Sure. So um, we start with the PICRA. Um, we've identified that we do need to put an ILSM in place. Um, we complete it, uh, post it. What happens then? What, what's required once you? <clears throat> yeah. So basically, what happens is then you you know you can create any document you you want, but if it's not followed, then that's where things kind of fall apart. And we've we've seen that from time to time. Um, so we really rely on on safety management group to kind of be our eyes and ears out in the field. Um, and what they do for us is they do, you know, daily, weekly inspections of the, 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 the project sites um, to look at both, uh, you know, compliance with the, the PICRA and the ILSM that's been put in place and make sure that it's still appropriate um, and that things haven't changed, but also to look at uh, the contractors to ensure that they're working safely, they're following, you know, OSHA and they're following our, your own internal um, requirements for contractors. So it really is kind of um, a, a partnership of, of them making sure that our contractors are safe and that their work is not adversely impacting patient care. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, and maybe there's something else, but if, if I miss it, so I, I think of three key things, right? The PICRA, the ILSM, and then the infection control risk mm -hmm. assessment. How does that come into play? Yeah, so that one, you know, in a, in a more real sense, it's, it's, it is kind of abstract in the thought process for a lot of people, but it is the more real hazard um, in that uh, infection uh, prevention and control in a hospital is really ensuring that um, people are not, um, you know, harmed by any activity in your in your hospital. Um, things that impact that are like hand washing and 
and having uh, the appropriate pressure relationships in various spaces so that people aren't exposed to things. Um, and so that infection control risk assessment is really a key. That tells you <clears throat> kind of, um, it looks at your patient population and your activities that you're performing around construction and says, in order to keep everything contained to your construction site, here's what you need to do. You need to build certain types of walls or have certain type of containment. You need to have HEPA filtration for your air. You need to you know, do X, Y, Z. Um, and those things really um, are, are a pillar of this because if you don't follow those things, not only can you... Uh, you know, be in regulatory compliance trouble, but you can really harm somebody, you know, just even opening a ceiling tile in a, you know, in an area where somebody has had an organ transplant, for instance, um, you know, can, can be life or death. So um, contractors that don't typically work in a healthcare space, you know, may or may not realize that. So it's important that before they even walk in your door, they understand how their activities can can really impact uh, the health and well-being of the people in the facility. So um, we have a program, a place to touch every one of our contractors that come in and it kind of walk them through why what we're doing is important, um, help them to understand um, how their activities impact everyone around them. And then we have, you know, our partnership with safety management group and also empowering our internal team members to, if they see something wrong, to speak out and call it out um, so that we can uh, go out and investigate and correct it. Uh, but it's kind of a, you know, a tribal effort to, to make sure that everything is, is, is safe in our hospitals. Okay. So uh, we, we, you know, we're on the project. Uh, we've got all these great tools in place. Um, have you seen any, uh, well, I know you have, but uh, tell well, any stories that where we could do better, I guess, or maybe some opportunities that, hey, we missed this or missed that. And, and then what was the impact of that? Yeah. So it, it happens, right? Um, even if people have the best intentions, sometimes they get complacent. Um, and so uh, we've had some horror stories. Uh, we, we had... Um, uh, without calling any any anybody out in particular, you know, we've had situations where, um, you know, a project, um, uh, you know, was contained with uh, all the required walls and, and pressure and et cetera. Uh, but for some reason, the, the uh, HEPA filtration system wasn't working appropriately. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a, a perfect storm, but the door wasn't working properly to the construction space. It was really close to a, a high-risk patient uh, area. Um, and, you know, we believe that the, 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 the pressurization of the construction space was, was wrong uh, for a short period of time. So all that stuff that was kind of in that construction space potentially was pushed out into the patient care area. Um, and so by the time it was caught, you know, it was addressed immediately. But um, what does that do? Uh, there may not be an immediate um, uh, noticeable effect on, say, patients or staff, but you have to then monitor those patients for a certain period of time to ensure that they're not, um, uh, you know, impacted negatively by that, by that error. And so that's a, a pretty high profile. It seems relatively, um, you know, uh, harmless that a door was left open and we had a pressure issue, but for people that are, are uh, you know, acutely ill, uh, that, that, that's pretty serious. So um, it's really thinking through, uh, you know, everything around the project on a continuous basis. So, you know, that was one example, um, just from a kind of life safety perspective, you know. We've so when you talk about, um, sorry to interrupt, but no, um, when you talk about monitoring the patient, 
that could be even after they leave, right? Yep. I mean, this isn't a, hey, we're monitoring them while they're here in the hospital. It could be weeks. Or yeah, it could yeah. be, uh, you know, 45 days, 45 uh, days where you have to monitor them. If they get some kind of a, a healthcare acquired infection, mm-hmm. you know, um, you, you have to, to, to understand what happened and, and, you know, take ownership of that. So um, there are some real legal, uh, you know, ramifications from that potentially. Now, obviously, the hospital is going to be the one who is, if there is some kind of litigation, sure. um, it's going to come back on the hospital. But you better believe that um, they're going to come back on whoever caused the issue in the end right so um you know other other kind of issues that we see are are just you know just oversight or or you know thinking that um you know i'm going to do this to to make up some time and and it ends up having some pretty significant consequences um you know like for instance in hospitals we have all these fire rated walls and doors that uh, really serve as a as a protection for people should they have a fire they need to move to another safe area they move past those fire doors and walls Um, we had a situation where an actual um, portion of the wall was taken out and covered with uh, cardboard um, because you know there was a, a conflict not everybody that needed to weigh in on that decision was involved and so, uh, you know, it, it, we had a real situation that was uh, pretty significant and required a really timely response. Um, and so, you know, that, that involves meetings and, and uh, you know, follow up and sure it doesn't happen again. But, you know, it's just those little oversights that can have really big uh, impact. And I'll, I'll give one example that um, kind of drives it home for me that didn't happen to us. Uh, I heard it through a, a colleague, but you know, doing some exterior excavation work outside of an older hospital. Um, you know, this was back several years ago, but uh, they they did that excavation and it, 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 you know, kicks up all that stuff that's in the ground. And uh, that, that stuff ended up um, coming in through the, through the fresh air intakes and through some windows. Um, and actually uh, a patient uh, passed away as a result of that. So it's really thinking about, the project, you know, it's pretty easy to think about how I'm going to impact patient care when I'm working in the room next door, Mm -hmm. but it's a little bit harder to put two and two together when you think about stuff that's going on outside could really impact people inside. So, um, it's a, it's a complex and, and kind of risky endeavor to do construction in a hospital, but, um, it has to be done. It just needs to be done carefully and planned out and, and done safely. I know one of the things you put in place, um, seems like it's been a few years back, uh, you talk about um, fire barriers and uh, penetrations um, above ceiling and doing, making mm-hmm. sure. Can you talk about that um, above ceiling process? And Sure. So it's, uh, you know, if you think about uh, the way a hospital is constructed, um, you're required to separate areas of hospitals into uh, what are called compartments so that you have uh, a barrier between one compartment and the other. So the, the, the idea is that if you have to evacuate, then you just move beyond that fire barrier. So that fire barrier, uh, when you're in a hospital, you may see the, a portion of that wall or the door that's part of that fire barrier. Um, it's basically what's below the ceiling you can see, but that barrier runs from 
the exterior of the wall to the uh, exterior wall and then from the floor above to the floor below and it's really one solid barrier to prevent fire and smoke from getting through it so when you go above the ceiling and um, you know people are running conduit or cables or whatever um, you know they they often um, if they're not uh, there's not a program in place they can really damage the integrity of that that wall and it has you know if you think about how smoke travels right so it's kind of like a, a water hose. So, you know, if you're out watering your garden, that, that hose is coming out at a nice natural stream, but you put your finger over part of it, it shoots it through there. Real, you know, the pressure really increases kind of the same for smoke. So if you build up pressure of smoke on the, on the wall, and then you have a little tiny opening, it's going to push that smoke through, you know, kind of like a hose. So, um, ensuring that for our organization, we've put in place, a, a an above ceiling access permit program so that if you're going above the ceiling to do any kind of work, you have to have a permit so that we understand what you're doing up there. Um, and making sure that whatever you did is then sealed properly before you leave. Um, and then on top of that, if you're going to be making a, a penetration in some kind of a barrier, you have to have a permit for that as well. Um, we call that our barrier permit program. Um, and you know, one of my colleagues, uh, was very instrumental in putting that together and SMG, uh, even, uh, you know, manages that program for us, but that really helps us to ensure that whatever penetrations are made are, are sealed properly before you leave. And even if you notice any other penetrations while you're up there, you take a picture of it and let us know so that we don't blame you for it when, when we go back up and inspect. So, um, those programs really help us to keep, a. Uh, we have a lot of wall space, and uh, so in order to manage that, we have to kind of put some controls around that. Right. You mentioned earlier, I wanted to circle back, uh, you mentioned the fire department. How much coordination on an annual basis um, do you have to do with the local fire department? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty extensive. I think that smaller uh, facilities probably don't have as much interaction. I'm, I'm not sure, but I don't think so. For us, it's pretty, um, we have a lot of activity and partnership with the fire department from a couple of different perspectives. So um, one, we have we invite them in annually to inspect our facilities to make sure that you know there are no issues that they're concerned about um, and that we address any that they do. And really what we're trying to do is partner with them that if they have to respond to our facility that they can respond and understand you know we have a really large facility so do they know how to get from place to place do we have processes in place to meet them and escort them to where they're going um and and make sure that they kind of understand our facility so uh, we partner with them in that aspect um, but we also partner with them um, it seems like right now on a, a weekly basis you know we're, we've got a lot of construction activity going going on so if we need to um, you know restrict access to a building fire lane or something we need to let them know so that they can put plans in place to accommodate for that period of time. So it's really a, a true partnership of um, us notifying them of what we're doing so that if they have to respond to help us, they understand how they do that effectively. Um, let's uh, talk a little bit about um, the resources that are out there for um, maybe a safety professional that's just getting started uh, with their career in the healthcare environment. Um, associations, uh, conferences, um, where do you get your information, uh, maybe best practices, things like that? Sure. So um, really a lot of it um, is, is 
you know, having that fundamental base of knowledge around uh, general safety principles and their, you know, their college programs, Indiana State has a, a good program, IU has a good program, um, you know, that's one avenue to take. Um, but outside of that, you know, it really becomes a little bit harder to, to identify what do I need to do to be prepared for this. So uh, there are some organizations, uh, the Indiana Society of Healthcare Engineering is one um, that kind of um, drives some, um, some, good, some good work around healthcare um, facilities and safety. Um, there's an, a national, um, uh, um, an ASHI program, uh, a group that, you know, you could, you could look into to, to get act- actively involved in. Um, really, that, that Indiana Society for Healthcare Organ- uh, Engineering is a, is a good place to really kind of get actively involved and, and kind of learn about healthcare safety in general. But, you know, there are resources out there. Um, people put out, um, there are lists, list serves around kind of joint commission and, uh, how safety and healthcare, um, you know, or resources for safety and healthcare. There are, um, you know, some, we talked about the CHSP. That's a good, a, mm-hmm. uh, you know, an option to kind of learn. Um, for me personally, you know, it was really just kind of, uh, taking a chance at, uh, well, I guess my organization took a chance on me, um, but me kind of stepping out of my comfort zone and I really didn't, uh, have a good grasp on what I was getting into, but just investing yourself in that and be willing to learn and learn from others, right? There are people out there that have a wealth of knowledge. Um, and, and if you're willing to learn and you're willing to dedicate yourself to growing in that, that healthcare safety field, um, I think that there's a lot of opportunity out there. One of the last things I want to hit on is, um, just the industry, what, what do you, opportunities, uh, in the industry, uh, for improvement? Um, I know, uh, we talked earlier about, um, kind of offline about, you know, the focus on patient safety, um, is very visible and, mm-hmm. uh, in a healthcare environment. Right. And that's, you know, for good reason, but, uh, any, any areas that, that you see from a healthcare industry that maybe could be improved on or opportunities? Sure. So, you know, like you said, patient safety is obviously a, a key, but um, it, it, there is a disparity between um, kind of patient safety and employee safety in a healthcare environment being on equal footing. That's not to say that, you know, healthcare organizations don't take employee safety seriously, but, um, you know, we are an organ, uh, uh, an industry that is driven by our patients, right. And their, their needs. So, um, you know, Nursing in particular is kind of the largest group of a healthcare organization and nurses are, a, a, you know, they're a passionate group, but they will take a lot as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, in safety, you know, it can cross various different disciplines. But if you think about nursing in the sense of, you know, being assaulted by a patient at work, right, who would ever think about that? That's not in a hospital, uh, but it's a really uh, it's a real concern. Um, and historically, nurses, you know, have viewed that as just a, an occupational hazard that they live with. Um, and it's kind of come full circle to where now that's that's not acceptable. And how do we prevent kind of workplace violence um, and, and, you know, assaults on nurses? And uh, that's just one example. Mm-hmm. You have other people working in the facilities um, like your maintenance department or your environmental services, housekeeping folks. And they're they're doing some, uh, you know, they're doing a lot of uh, risk, risky uh, activities, you know, working with chemicals or going into spaces and working with heavy machinery. Um, and so for a healthcare kind of moving forward, 
the, the patient safety and the employee safety really need to be on equal footing and it just needs to be a, a culture of safety, right? And um, your, your organization needs to strive to be um, reliably safe in both, in both aspects. Um, and so I, I think that there's nationally, there's a lot of um, push to kind of elevate that employee safety um, mm-hmm. and ensure that people have a, a, you know, a safe place to work. Um, but it's going to take some time to kind of build that culture within your internal organization. But I, I think we're on the right path. It's, it's, it's just a journey. Yeah. Do you, uh, any, any best practices out there that you can think of that you, um, see in the industry? I mean, I think like, for example, the, the above ceiling program, is that tip? Am I going to find that if I go down the street to another location or you know i I mean i would hope so but i I can't speak i I think that you know that's um that's kind of what uh, you know that's a best practice for sure Mm -hmm. um and i think that you know i i'm proud to speak of the work that my colleagues have done on that Mm -hmm. um but you know that's one example to kind of you know, ensure that you have a program to manage these types of things. There, there are any number of uh, best practices, you know, that we have in our office. I feel they're best practices within our organization. Uh, we have a, a program around, um, you know, kind of uh, training our, our nursing staff, for example, to identify behaviors that are, um, that they feel are kind of escalating to a, a point of there may be some, um, you know, uh, physical uh, response from a patient on a nurse and so um, you know uh, my my organization has put a program in place to uh, kind of put a, a, a stop to that before it happens right there there are resources that come to that to that nurse's aid and help to you know kind of uh, calm the situation down before it gets to the point of, of assault mm-hmm. um, and you know things like that it's really looking across the spectrum of, of uh, all the activities going in in a hospital and putting best practice programs in place to, to try and solve for those because it is complex and there's lots of opportunities yeah I know uh, you know our our support of, of your team again is around that contractor construction safety and uh, you know things that come to mind uh, from a best practice standpoint that I think of you know you're evaluating contractors prior to them stepping foot in your facilities you mm-hmm. know ensuring that they have a safety program in place and and those kind of things um, and then the contractor safety team uh, that's in place there I think is. Uh, you know, it's a, it's an important part of that program. Can you talk about that team? Sure. So, you know, I guess I can speak from, from my experience. Um, you know, there are so many different aspects of safety that I can't, you know, my kind of environmental health and safety group, uh, we're not resourced appropriately to, to manage kind of contractor safety. So it's really a true partnership with safety management group to, uh, you know, they're, they're really, focused on um, making sure that all the people that come through our door on working on projects are, are you know, they have the right uh, drug testing and they have the, the, the safety programs in place for their company. Um, and so that when they come into our facility, um, we don't have to worry about those type of things. But, um, you know, you guys help us to uh, ensure that our work sites are safe, that our contractors are following all the rules. Um, it's really a, 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 a comprehensive program, um, and I think we're still kind of working through some of the, the issues with that. Sure. But um, it's a, you know, if you're not continuously evaluating that um, and you get complacent, that's where things can, can go wrong. But um, it's been a great partnership, and 
you know, I can't speak highly enough about it. Yeah. I'm going to ask you one last thing. Um, if you look back over your still young career, right? 12, 13 years. Yeah. What would you tell uh, Neil from uh, 12, 13 years ago, just coming in? What, what would you tell yourself? Man. <laughs> what advice? Uh, you know, don't, don't, uh, I guess don't take yourself too seriously um, because it's a, it's an ever changing uh, environment. But um, I would, I would tell myself to, to uh, really um, try and invest myself in, in the work and, and learn as much as possible from everybody that you interact with. I mean, I work with a lot of brilliant people, mm-hmm. um, and I've learned so much from from uh, a lot of different people. Um, you know, it's 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 really been a, a an exciting kind of twelve years. Um, starting off as kind of out in the field, just doing site inspections, to taking on more of a leadership role. Um, that if I could, you know, look back on it now and talk to myself back then. Um, you know, I think that I would have, uh, I would have really encouraged myself to, to learn more from everybody. Um, it's taken me a while to get there. Um, and I guess the other thing that I would, um, you know, kind of point out to myself back then is <laughs> that, um, don't get caught up in why we can't do things right. A lot of times, uh, people, uh, you know, we can't do that because we've never done it that way. And we've always done it this way. Don't get caught up in that. Look for solutions rather than barriers um, and try and break through those barriers with innovative ideas or, you know, risk-based approach to, to, to safety or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's real easy to just kind of get complacent or fall back on. We've always done it this way. And is that really the right way to do things? Yeah, that's great advice. Great advice. Well, we're, we're coming to the end of our show. I, I really want to thank you, Neil, for, for your time. Um, I can tell our listeners um, uh, your background and experience. You bring a wealth of knowledge uh, to, to, I know, to your employer. Uh, I want congratulations on your recent promotion as thank well. Thank uh, But thank you for your time. I appreciate the partnership and um, being able to support, support your team. Um, I'm going to toss it your way now we like for our guests to to name their episode or title their episode any thoughts on that um you know put me on the spot but i think that um i'll tell one more story before i name it and that's that you know every time that somebody comes into our facility uh kind of like the joint commission they like to ask uh you know what keeps you up at night and that kind of really uh gets to the point of uh you know what's what's going uh well but also what um do you feel are kind of your your biggest risks or things that are important to you um and so i I would uh, venture that we name this this uh, episode stuff that keeps me up at night great awesome well thank you again for coming in and uh appreciate your time thank you